Today is Quasimodo Geneti Sunday, a day to consider what it means to have faith like a newborn baby. Of course, most of us know the term Quasimodo from the fictional hunchback character from Victor Hugo's novel, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And especially after the fire there just last week, maybe we're thinking especially of Quasimodo. There's actually an interesting connection with that Quasimodo and our lessons today. In Victor Hugo's novel, it happens on the first Sunday after Easter, today, that a crying baby is discovered on the steps of the city cathedral, Notre Dame. Incredibly deformed with a twisted face and a hunched back, not even a mother could love this tiny newborn babe. And so he's taken in by the church. He's baptized and he's given the name of the day on which he was found, Quasimodo. And he's raised within the confines of the cathedral, become the city's bell ringer, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Only within the church could such a grotesque man find sanctuary. In the book, the life of Quasimodo was one of constant hardship, ridicule, torture, turmoil, and death. His fictional life was not so different from the real life of Job. If you're not familiar with Job, Job had lost nearly everything. His possessions, his animals, his servants, his children, his health, all gone. In fact, much of the book of Job is the conversation that then ensues between Job and his three friends. And I say friends because these guys gave Job some of the worst advice and were the worst friends you could possibly be after everything Job went through. It's not surprising that Job was likely suffering from despair and depression. He was in turmoil after everything that had happened. Job's wife even tells Job to to curse God and die. One of Job's friends, Bildad, says to Job some of the worst possible things you can say to someone in turmoil. He basically calls him a quasi-moto and says, well, God must not love you. See, Bildad's brilliant idea is that Job must have done something to tick God off. So his advice to Job is to repent or else suffer the ravages of death. Bildad's idea of justification, of how one can be right with God, is what we would describe as a theology of glory. God would reward you, Job, if you would just have stronger faith. And yet it's not because of a lack of faith that Job was suffering. In fact, our text from this morning comes from the end of Job's conversation with Bildad. Job sees right through his so-called friends. And he just finished calling them out for accusing him unjustly. He acknowledges that, yes, God has been cruel to him, that his acquaintances and relatives have shunned him, that even his wife has turned against him. And he admits, although not in these terms, that he is a quasi-modo. In the two verses immediately preceding our section, he utters the heart-rending lament. Have pity on me, have pity on me, O you, my friends, 
For the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does and are not satisfied with my flesh? The faith of Job's friends, the wrong faith, is probably the number one reason why people leave the true faith. See, their faith was a faith in faith. Their faith determined whether or not God was real or willing to help. I'll give you a couple of examples of how this might sound today. You have a friend who, whose life has always seemed to, to go well. And she has said, I know God exists because he always answers my prayers. But then what happens for her when it seems like God doesn't? Or you know a student who's about to go off to college or high school, and you'd heard them say before, I know God is real because I believe it. Or the Bible is true because I believe it. What happens when their belief, their faith, is challenged? Or a relative who says, I know God is real because I can feel him. What happens when those feelings go away? These are all examples of a faith in faith. But Christian faith does not trust in what it can feel. Christian faith does not trust in what it can think. Faith does not trust in faith. A faith that trusts in itself and faith is circular, built on a terrible foundation that will not stand up to trouble or hardship or despair. That sort of faith, when faced with turmoil, will fail. And that's actually the faith of Thomas in our gospel lesson. Already three days after Jesus has died, Thomas did what a person with a faith in the wrong place might do. Thomas left the sanctuary of the church. He left the company of the disciples, and he left the word. And we're not told why, but it's not hard to imagine why Thomas left. Jesus was dead. The other disciples are all huddled together trying to make sense of what had happened, probably piecing things together from the Old Testament scriptures and from what Jesus had told them. But Thomas, well, he's over that. He wants to move on with his life. Jesus is dead, and there's nothing we can do about it. And so as a result of leaving the sanctuary of the church, his brethren, Thomas loses his faith. Like a coal that's been removed from the fire and how it dies. So when Jesus appears to the other ten and they, they, say, they say to Thomas, We have seen the risen Lord. Thomas doesn't believe. And I have to think that this doubt of Thomas has rubbed off on the rest of the apostles too. Because that's what doubt does. Doubt is infectious. It spreads because doubt is not based in truth but on fear. And even though the disciples had already heard from the women who went, from the, went to the tomb early that morning and saw that Christ was risen, and from John and Peter who went to investigate, they're hiding behind locked doors. The disciples are, are likely thinking, maybe a little like Job's friend Bildad, that if Jesus is alive and if, if he comes back to us, he's going to be angry at us. 
angry that we deserted him, angry that we let him be crucified, angry that we denied knowing him. We did something to tick God off. But even though they fear and have the doors locked, Jesus came, stood among them, and while he's showing them his hands and feet and side and the nail marks in them, he says to them, peace be with you. Jesus doesn't say to these terrified disciples that they should have had stronger faith. He gives them what faith needs. He gives them the gospel. And he breathes on them with his word and the Holy Spirit. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is strengthened by the gospel, from God's true word. Faith is built on the fact of the resurrection that Jesus truly is alive. So the disciples, even with their faith that still needs to be strengthened, are unlike Job's friends. They don't give up on their friend Thomas. They don't tell Thomas that he just needs to trust more or have stronger faith. They do what the church does to someone like a Quasimodo. They invite him in. They ask Thomas to sit with them the following Sunday. Same time, probably even, same place, probably even the same time. They're expecting Jesus to come back. They want Thomas to hear what they heard. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus teaches his disciples and us a lesson on faith. Faith does not trust in faith. Faith does not trust in what it can see or feel or experience. Faith trusts what is heard. Faith trusts God's promises. And a promise cannot be seen or felt or experienced. But a promise from God is true. God's promises are true because Christ is risen from the dead. The Christian faith is unlike any other faith that is out there that is built on what it can experience. The Christian faith is based on fact. This is the faith of Job. Job, who lived nearly 2,000 years before the resurrection of Jesus, trusted in what the fact of the resurrection means for him. After calling out his friends, Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that because his Redeemer lives, that means that at the end of time, Christ will stand over the dust of Job's body. Then even after his skin has been destroyed, yet even in his own flesh, Job would see God. Job doesn't trust in faith. The resurrection isn't true because Job believes it to be true. The resurrection is true, historically, factually, undeniably true. And because the resurrection is true, so is Job's faith. 
Now, in the midst of turmoil, Job sees forward in faith. But soon he'll see by sight. When Job had nothing left to trust in himself, his faith did what faith should do. It clung to God's promises. It clung to Christ. And Christ loves us who are unlovable, who are hunched over and hideous in our sin, and often curved in toward ourselves and our own doubts and fears. And he gives the peace, his peace to his church to give to us. That's where we find our sanctuary, our rest, our peace. It's where Jesus comes to us, where he baptizes us, where he gives us his name, and he says, peace be with you. So if you doubt, take comfort in the doubting of Thomas, who also wanted proof. And see along with him the wounds in Jesus' hands, feet, and side. If you suffer, take courage in the suffering of Job. See along with him what the resurrection of Jesus means, that because our Redeemer lives, that true glory, true life, and salvation await. If you feel unloved, a quasi-modo, see Christ's hands and feet and know just how much he loves you. If you know someone else who suffers or doubts, do what Christ has given his church to do. Tell them of the forgiveness of their sins. Tell them of their peace. Tell them Christ has risen. Because Christ has risen. For those who have faith, it means that after our bodies are returned back to dust, that we will rise from the dead to see God. We will see him. And we'll see him not as a stranger. Now we see him in faith, as Job did. But at the end of time, we'll see him by sight. Faith made perfect, as surely as Thomas did. And we'll see Jesus show us the proof of his atoning death and his resurrection in his hands and feet. And we'll hear Jesus say to us, The peace of the Lord be with you always. And your doubt, your fears, your emotions, which cause you turmoil now, will themselves be in turmoil because Christ's resurrection has thrown death and hell itself into turmoil and has given you peace. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen. Please stand and we will sing our offertory hymn.